three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Sully is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Sports on Chicago. My name's John Zaglul. Great to have you here. Today's edition of the program, could the Bears trade Khalil Mack? We'll break it all down in just a second. Also, a brand new interview today with Kevin Harlan, the voice of the NFL on CBS and the NBA on TNT. We talk with him extensively about some Bears football, Bulls basketball, and his legendary broadcasting career. All comes up near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook, John Zagluo. You can watch more of this show. Search up Sports Talk Chicago, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, SportsTalkChicago.com. I want to start today with this. How do we define a disappointment? There are many different definitions out there, some of which make sense, some of them not, to be honest. People who say Mitch Grabinski is a disappointment, well, depends on how you evaluate him. Maybe his position, right, draft position at number two, yes, but did he play bad? Was he Jamarcus Russell or Ryan Leaf? No way. So we have to really understand what the definition is before we could use the term. Heard a lot of people lately with these Khalil Mack trade rumors starting to sprout up. They that oh, he's a disappointment, waste of money, bad move. The Bears should definitely trade him. It's getting old. He sucks now. What's the definition in your eyes of a disappointment? Look, I get it. Big money contract, right? Six years, hundred thirty million dollars, about. A lot of money guaranteed. Bears pulled off a trade, gave up tons of draft picks to get him. And at the time, thought it was a great move. Cleo Mack, all-pro defensive guy. Thought he could really help out the defense, and he did. I'll explain why in a second, but he did. Then again, hindsight's 2020. The whole point of the trade was to make sure the Bears would contend for years to come. Bill Mack was supposed to be a part of this team, and the Bears were supposed to build up a good defensive core that would last for years, not a year. <laughs> Ryan Pace had a vision that this team was just about in their window to win, and sure enough, they were in 2018. They fell off. Now we sit here today, 2022, with Khalil Mack, older, a bloated contract, and no Super Bowls. Go figure. <laughs> I want to argue today that Khalil Mack is not necessarily a disappointment or a bust, and there's a pretty good reason why the Bears shouldn't trade him. But I want to get it out there that 
For those of you who say you disappointment, what do you mean by that? I encourage you to comment and let me know. What do you mean by that? What do you mean he's a disappointment? Does that mean he didn't live up to your expectations? Does that mean he didn't live up to the money? Or does that mean he was a total bust? I have a different feeling about disappointment. How it relates to Khalil Mack. It's not Khalil Mack's fault that the Bears completely went sideways. It's not his fault that Matt Nagy sabotaged his offensive players, leading to him being fired. It's not his fault that Ryan Pace mortgaged way too much of the future, not just in his trade, but in other trades, to hurt his team, to set the Bears behind. It's not his fault that Mitch Trubisky was drafted over maybe Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes. It's not his fault that after one year, the Bears could not repeat what they did in 2018. If you look at the numbers... He never really dropped off significantly. Open a half sacks, first year here in Chicago, all pro, pro bowler, eight and a half, then nine, and then six last year in seven games. Six sacks in seven games for the Bears last year. Didn't play bad. Extremely productive. That, to me, those numbers don't sound like a disappointment. Doesn't sound like he was a total bust, bad trade, one of the worst trades in Bears history. Brian Pace made a horrible move. No. Leo Mack can't control the factors that surrounded the team. That's why we have to be really careful when we use the word disappointment or bust or they didn't live up to expectations. Whose expectations and what happened around them? The Bears certainly, in these past four years, did not live up to expectations. Ryan Pace, when he made this trade, had a vision. The vision was three to seven year window, great team, dynasty, Super Bowl. I remember the day the Bears traded for Cleo Mack. Everybody said, wow, they're going to be a Super Bowl winner. And sure enough, that year, I firmly believe they could have made it, if not won it. But didn't make it back. What does that have to do with Cleo Mack? Was he that integral to the team to the point where he controlled whether or not they make a Super Bowl? Sorry, not really. He's a great defensive player, one of the best in football. And according to the numbers I see here, his performance didn't drop off significantly. Wasn't like how it was in Oakland at the time, but it was still great. Still more than above average. Still quality and still helped the Bears win games. You can't blame a guy for having a bad team around him. You can't blame a guy for having team expectations not reach where they were supposed to be. I'm not going to blame Khalil Mack for the Bears not winning the Super Bowl or not winning multiple division titles. That has nothing to do with him. And if you want to point to his progress or his stats and say, look, he's gotten worse and worse and worse, well, injuries play a role, but even more than that, the team got worse and worse and worse, not just him. And for his age, at 30 years old, to put up six sacks in seven games, it's obvious he was not getting worse, progressively worse. It was about right where he should be. Maybe a tiny bit worse than Oakland, but not much. It wasn't to the point where, oh my gosh, this is a horrible trade. He's turned into a boss. It wasn't Robert Quinn his first year here in Chicago. Khalil Mack never sunk to that level. Never. Not once do we even mention that or think about it. So I want to make sure that gets stated. You might think he let you down, didn't live up to expectations, it wasn't Cleo Mack, it was the team. Can't expect some sort of defensive guy to win you a Super Bowl. Not how it works. 
Bill Mack played his heart out for four seasons here. He's done great, pretty much. Not his fault that the Bears haven't won a Super Bowl, haven't been there, and have tanked. Not his fault. So I want to get that out there first. There's been a couple of reports that have suggested that the Bears may want to trade him. Could get back some valuable draft capital in this year's draft. Bears obviously have no first-round picks. Here's a quote from Bleacher Nation. This breaks down more so the finances, the economics behind it. I want to make sure I read this before I give my reaction. Quote, to be clear, trading Max solely for the sake of saving cap space and draft capital would be problematic. Mostly from the perspective of realizing that trading Mac before June 1st would clear just $6.15 million in cap space. That would be welcome wiggle room under the cap for a Bears team already with $26 million to work with, according to OverTheCaps.com calculations, but it would come with a dead money hit of $24 million. So if you trade Khalil Mack between now and June 1st, it's a dead cap hit of $26 million. The Bears could deal Mack after June 1st, which would spread the dead money hit over two years, and give the Bears $17.75 million in newfound cap space, but they wouldn't be able to use that money until after June 1st. New league free agency, all that starts up next week. So, what do we think? Do we think it's feasible to trade Khalil Mack? And for what? We all know this draft, too, isn't as strong as people make it out to be. I mean, at least the quarterback class and the majority of experts have said this is not the draft that it was a year ago, two years ago. The Bears need, of course, wide receiver, secondary help, whole line. They have a lot of picks, just not in round one. And trading Khalil Mack for a $26 million dead cap hit just for a wide receiver, sorry, I'm not sure it's worth it. I'm really not sure it's worth giving up that much cap space, that much of a hit, just to get a first-round pick for a wide receiver. And let me back that up, too. Do we know the Bears will get a first-round pick for Cleo Mack? I don't think so. Now when you're taking on the remainder of that contract that he has and his performance, nobody's going to give up a first-round pick for... Somebody who's a little bit past his prime, who's 30 years old, and who has such a bloated contract still to come that has to be paid out. I don't care what the justification is, whether it be for draft picks, whatever it might be, no one's going to agree to that trade. If they did, they'd be stupid. It wouldn't make any sense. wouldn't make any sense from a financial perspective for any other team involved. I mean, they'd be a loser in that trade no matter what. They'd give up draft picks and have to pay a 30-year-old middle linebacker's contract? Come on. That makes no sense. (laughs) That'd be a stupid move, a stupid football IQ move, front office move. We have to really understand how realistic this trade could be. Very little. The Bears can't just cut ties and do it. Not that simple. This isn't Major League Baseball, even the NBA to an extent. You've got a salary cap, a big salary cap here. And the Bears need space for things that they actually need. They need cornerback help, safety help, O-line. They need wide receivers big time. I don't think it makes sense to absorb a $24 million cap hit just to get rid of Khalil Mack. There's a difference here, too. Mack has still been relatively productive. 
Not like he's been bad or been a total bust. I'll take six sacks in seven games any day. Makes no sense. Just another rumor from the internet about what the Bears are going to do doesn't make sense to me. A GM would look at this scenario and say, you got to be kidding me, right? Any team, if any team actually agreed to this trade, I'd say they're stupid. And I cover the Bears here. I'd say they're stupid. They'd lose the trade automatically. You're giving up draft picks. You're paying for Khalil Mack's salary. And he's 30 years old. For what? There's no way you need somebody on defense that bad. I'd rather go to the draft at that point. Even if the draft class is weaker, I'd rather draft somebody who's younger and develop him and pay a lot of money for Khalil Mack and give up draft capital. It wouldn't make any sense. It just wouldn't. Logically, it wouldn't. I understand there's some Bears fans who are frustrated and unhappy with his performance. For whatever reason, I really don't know. But you have to admit, even if you don't like what he's done in a Bears uniform, trading him wouldn't make sense for anybody. Nobody would accept that trade. Now, if that did happen, somehow, I'd feel bad for the team that got him. I really would. For the team that put up draft capital and is willing to pay his salary, that'd be stupid. And for the Bears, it'd be stupid too, though. $24 million cap hit when they have a lot of cap space for the first time in a while, 40-plus million. I just don't like the idea, and I think it wouldn't make sense. Again, remember, how do we determine what a disappointment is, what a bust is? You could say Khalil Mack had a bit overpaid. You could say Ryan Pace maybe jumped the boat in the trade. But based on performance, based on statistics, Khalil Mack has not played bad by any stretch. He's not been a bust or hasn't been worth it in that sense. It's not his fault the Bears did nothing while he was here. Certainly wasn't Mack's fault. Not like, oh, he only had two sacks. It's all on him. That's why the Bears went 8-8 eight and eight a couple of years. That's why they went 6-11 and 11 this past year. That's why they lost in the divisional round of the playoffs in 2018. Khalil Mack had nothing to do with the Bears' problems the past four years. Nothing. Maybe he was hurt too much. Maybe that hurt the team late down the stretch. Other than that, there's nothing bad or negative that he's done on the field that's hurt the team. I mean, I mean, I can't think of one example where there's been a boneheaded play, a blown game, all because of Khalil Mack. Very rarely, if ever, did that happen. He's been here for four years. He's probably going to be a Hall of Famer anyway. So claiming he's a disappointment, claiming, oh, the contract is blown to get rid of him, well, wouldn't really help. Wouldn't really help at all. The Bears would still have to absorb the dead cap hit. And they'd lose Khalil Mack. Well, he's been pretty, relatively, productive. It doesn't make sense to do it. I don't know who's perpetuating this sort of rumor, but, I mean, just think logically here, right? Think logically. What GM and the NFL, these are smart people. We're talking about people from Ivy League schools with economics degrees. Who's going to actually sit there and say, you know what? Let me trade for a 30-year-old middle linebacker who is already going to be 30, you know, 31 years old. Um, I'm going to have to give up big draft capital for him. I'm going to have to pay his salary. Then the Bears are going to say, yeah, we'll do it, and we'll take on a $24 million cap hit. No, it ain't going to work. I don't know where these rumors come from or who originates them. Maybe agents or content creators, whomever it might be. It doesn't make any sense. Economically, it makes no sense to do. 
the Bears are willing to wait after June 1st, I guess. I mean, maybe it makes some sense then. They'd give the Bears $17.75 million in newfound cap space, but the problem there is free agency starts next week. The draft is going to be over, long gone by June 1st and afterwards. So what are you going to get for Khalil Mack? Unless you hope a team misses out on who they want in free agency and the draft, and you can convince somebody to still take on that salary and that money and, what, give you future draft picks for 2023? It makes no sense. The Bears need draft picks today. Trading Khalil Mack, having a $24 million cap hit for draft picks is stupid. It doesn't make any sense. It wouldn't be a good idea for both teams involved. And Khalil Mack has not been a disappointment either. Might have been overpaid a bit too much, but I'll tell you this much, it's not his fault where the Bears are today. He's done everything he's supposed to do. By far. The only thing I could think of in which I've been a bit disappointed in him is the injuries. Everybody deals with that. Everybody. There's no need to trade him. Look, you're stuck with the contract. I would just deal with it and eat it up and, and pay. Better than having a dead cap in. It's better than paying for somebody who isn't even on your roster. And he's productive, too. So he's productive. Why not pay him? Versus the alternative. Trading him, dead cap hit for what, draft picks? And you think the other team's going to pay his salary? The rest of the contract? Come on. This isn't Madden. The NFL. Can't be going on auto GM and saying, oh yeah, yes to every trade. Not how it works. So somebody who came up with this rumor, wherever it might be, whoever originated it, is playing Madden football GM. Madden 22 GM. It doesn't make any sense to do this. And where the idea came from, I can't even conceive. When I saw this headline, I'm like, what? Khalil Mack? Where's he going to go? Where exactly is Khalil Mack going to go? Still productive at age 30. And which team's going to pay for somebody at age 30 and give up draft picks instead? None of the Bears eat the dead cap. Just don't understand sometimes. I don't get it. I don't get where some of these rumors come from and where people insinuate things that just aren't true or won't happen. Look, if it does, all the best to both teams because really it's a lose-lose situation. The Bears will lose because they'll pay that $24 million in dead cap. The team who acquires him loses because they give up draft picks for a 30-year-old middle linebacker, going to be 31, who has injury problems and has to pay the salary. Doesn't make sense for anybody. It'd be a stupid move all the way around. Leo Mack is staying. And hopefully, with a new head coach, new defensive coordinator, new offensive coordinator, new team in general, he could be utilized even better, have a great resurgence. Because he did good this year till he got hurt. And look, I don't know what the truth is, but I will say this. I find it hard to believe that he just sat out the rest of the year due to injuries only. Obviously, like Justin Fields near the end of the year, wasn't played because it's not worth it. It's not worth getting beat up in games that don't matter. So when the Bears start off 0-0 zero and zero come 2022, and he's back and healthy, and the Bears still have him on the field, and there's a new team, I would hope things get better for him. But he's not a disappointment 
first and foremost, had nothing to do with where the Bears are today and what had to happen for change to happen. And to make this trade would be utterly stupid for everybody involved, whether it be another team, whether it be the Bears. So let's talk about the facts here before we assume the worst or assume the best, I guess, depending on how you look at it. It's not happening. I'm not a GM and I can tell you that. It's not happening. If I were you Bears fans, I'd look forward to seeing Khalil Mack on the field come 2022. Because if he gets traded, that would be the most head-scratching move of this offseason. Both teams lose, and nobody wants that. More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Kevin Harlan comes up next. Stay tuned. Chicago. Here with John DeGlul, and we are back and ready for today's special guest season. NFL on CBS broadcast to the voice of Monday Night Football in Westwood, one of the head basketball boys at TNT. Please welcome Kevin Harlick to the program. Kevin, it's great to have you on. How are you? John, I'm great. So good to hear your voice. I always love talking to uh, young, up-and-coming broadcasters like yourself. Uh, you've done a great job with your guests on this show. I listen as often as I can. And uh, it's an honor to be on with you again. I, I uh, always enjoy our visits. I do too, Kevin. Really appreciate you being here. Um, how'd the Super Bowl go for you, first off? Oh, it was great. You know, it's always such an honor, John, to put on that headset and sit in the same seat that some of the legends of this business have sat in. Uh, I never take it for granted. Um, it's, it is an honor uh, beyond words and if i told my i'd be doing day to a, a worldwide audience um i i would have said you're crazy and here i am uh, just completed uh, by the grace of god my 12th in a row and i just I, I cherish it as much as anything i do in broadcasting you ever get used to that bigger stage as a broadcaster calling a super bowl well i mean it's it's a gigantic it's a gigantic audience it's a huge stage um, it is, uh, you don't, you don't think in those terms though. I think if you did, if you thought about, you know, they project about 25 plus million that listen in the, this country alone. And then you mix in the BBC and the voice of America and armed forces radio and every other outlet around that, that carries our broadcast. It would just, it would be a little numbing. So I, I really just kind of try to make it as much of a regular game as I can. And not that I don't put, you know, the work into it. I do. But I think if I treated it any bigger than, you know, what it actually is, I think it'd psych me out. <laughs> I think it would cause me, I think it caused me some problems, sleepless nights. But I, I try to, I try to handle it like I do any other broadcast. Think of the important things in my mind that I need to do and say during a broadcast. And, and that usually is a pretty good guide uh, for a broadcast of that stature. How do you balance the intensity of the game with the traditional game call? Well, every game to me has some kind of meaning to it. So I'm probably just as intense doing a Monday night game week three of the season as perhaps I am the Super Bowl, 
the stakes are higher and there may be a little bit more, uh, you know, from deep down that comes out on a big call in the Super Bowl. But, you know, all these plays lead up to the Super Bowl and all the plays that for these teams have led up to a Super Bowl are just as important as the games uh, and the plays within a Super Bowl. So I, I try to I try to think about the journey that these teams have been in and know that the big plays that I may have gotten excited for back earlier in the season were all a part of getting them to this great stage. So, I, like I say, I, I kind of treat everything the same. Certainly the Super Bowl can have some different words that can be used because there's a finality to it, either a loss or a win. And you can take those words and plant them and accentuate them as much as possible when you're going through the game. Now, listen, uh, nothing's perfect. And you can listen back to a broadcast and wish you had done this, said that, highlighted this, not done that. Um, that's going to be with every broadcast. That never, that never changes. But you hope you go into it with a game plan of knowing that, you know, this is for the Lombardi Trophy. This is for what all these teams work all season for. And you are sometimes the legacy that you build is is commemorated, is built on plays in this game. So you want to make sure that you are on your game as a broadcaster to make those thoughts, those those big moments stand out as much as possible. What's the best Super Bowl called you've had? You know, I don't know. I, I guess I'd like to say it's coming up. Um, I know that sports, I've, I've let others kind of decide that. Sports Illustrated a couple years ago came out with the top five Super Bowl calls of all time. And luckily, uh, uh, humbly, the Malcolm Butler interception for the Patriots of Russell Wilson at the goal line was one of the five they chose. And I was incredibly humbled and honored by that. Um, when they, when a, a publication like Sports Illustrated puts out something like that, that that is that that leaves a mark and is unbelievably gratifying. Um, so you'd have to probably begin with that. There are probably a series of calls uh, at the Manningham catch on the sideline uh, thrown by Eli Manning against the Patriots. Uh, was a huge play, huge play. Um, uh, but, but you know, the Brady comeback from being 28-3 to three down in the third quarter in the Super Bowl against the Falcons, that was big. Um, there are many. Uh, you know, I, I, th I think you just kind of look at them in the totality. There's not a Super Bowl that, that's been played that I broadcast that you can't find, you know, a moment or a play that, that I was not happy with and uh, conversely not a play in there that I wish that maybe I had called a bit differently with a bit different cadence or words or whatever, but that's true for every broadcast, like I was saying. So, um, but I, I, again, I, I'm led John by the hope that I've got a call coming up that will be, I'll feel at the end of the day will be my best in the Super Bowl. Kevin Harlan here on Sports Talk Chicago. Kevin, is Aaron Rodgers going to leave Green Bay? All of us here in Chicago are kind of hoping so. I don't think so. I know no more than you, John, or any of your listeners. And I, uh, 
<clears throat> I guess I would say I think that he and the Packers will come to some kind of an accord and 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 two three year deal to play. Um, I think he feels his voice is prominent, which he wanted, and I think he deserves. He's a he's a generational type player, and I think he deserves that. He's seen a lot. He knows a lot. I think he can only be of help. Um, <clears throat> I would say also that um, uh, being an MVP, he's at the very top of his powers in his play, and that this would be, uh, you know, why, why would you give it up at the very top of your game? Wouldn't you want to see and explore if there's another Super Bowl ahead of you? I think that will guide him. Um, I, I just think that he's got too much to play for and I think he enjoys it still so much. And the team has made whatever ill he thought and perceived right. I think they have come back and corrected the things that he felt needed correcting, which leads me to the think that he will maybe even be offered something beyond his playing career. He's too smart. He's too impactful to not get maybe some kind of proposal from the team to say, and Aaron, let's think beyond your, your playing days. Let's think, you know, seven years, 10 years down the road, how can we make your stay, your time, your legacy, even more impactful, adding on to it by giving you some kind of a role in the front office. I'm not saying an everyday breaking down film X's and O's role, but I'm just, I'm thinking, you know, give him a position where he can have some input and he can feel like he's contributing because I think he's got a lot to contribute. And um, we'll see if any of this comes to – that's just one man's opinion. <laughs> I know nothing more than you or, like I said, anybody else. But I think they're going to reach some kind of a conclusion to the story, and I think it will favor the Packers and Aaron, and they'll both be incredibly satisfied. And I would like to think it will extend beyond the terms of – his current playing deal, which they're working on now. How do you feel about the Packers 2021 season overall? Well, I think for them, John, anytime they don't get to a Super Bowl, they look at it as a, a, a disappointment. Um, they had the best record uh, in the NFC. They had the number one seating overall in the NFL. They had home court, home field. They had everything that they could possibly want. And, um, and, and they didn't, um, they didn't reach that with a hall of fame quarterback, a first ballot hall of fame quarterback, and they didn't get that. And that is good. So anything short of a Super Bowl for them is disappointing. So that's the world they live in. They, they live at the very top of the expectation ladder. And because they didn't get it, it's going to look at, uh, you know, well, we didn't hit our goals. And whenever you don't hit your goals, you look, all right, how can we improve? And that's what they're going to spend their entire offseason working to do. And I do believe that if Rodgers comes back, they can pick up where they left off, be every bit as successful, um, and, and, and still reach their goals. But they need to get to a Super Bowl and preferably win it from their perspective to reach any kind of conclusion that they had a successful year. Do you think the Bears could be a prominent threat to the Packers come next year? Well, I've always, I've always liked that the, the players the Bears have had. It is so hard to say 
Uh, you're dealing with a second-year quarterback, if indeed he's given that job, if they don't make any moves. Um, they've got a new regime. It usually takes a while for a new regime to put their fingerprints on things. And so it's going to be, you know, you're kind of starting not from square one, but you can see square one from where you're starting. And, you know, that's, that's going to be, uh, but, but at the same time, a breath of fresh air always is good. We know the team has got some talent, clearly. Um, I thought, to be quite fair and honest, I thought Matt Nagy was a great choice. I thought he was the right guy. I applauded that. I, I knew him in Kansas City, and I, I just thought he was the guy. And so I'm as surprised as anyone that that did not happen. But um, I like who they've hired. I've known Matt um, for the years he's been with the Colts. Uh, I know their GM and what he's going to bring to the table. And I would like to think that they're going to pick up where all the development of Matt Nagy left off and, and, and move forward. What do you think about Justin Fields when you watched him play this year? He looked like a college quarterback um, trying to play in the NFL. Um, from the, the multiple sacks he took in the game in Cleveland to some of his you know quick decisions to run. And I get it, you know, maybe there wasn't the time to throw and the things to mature and the routes being run, and I get all that. Um, but there's no doubt he's got talent. Um, he's different than a lot of quarterbacks that are being, you know, drafted now. He's different than Mahomes. He's different from Herbert. He's different from a lot of them. But he's a lot like some of the young quarterbacks. Uh, he can run like Allen, but he probably, like a young Allen at Buffalo, choosing to run too quickly and that will come with time and we all get that right we all know the maturation of a quarterback but there's a lot there to like and I don't think um, there's anything in what he's done and what this offseason is linking him to in terms of hard work and being the guy that leads you to believe that he will not reach the highest rung of quarterback play in the NFL but a lot of it is going to be on on him how hard he works how much film he watches, how much he buys into the system, how much the system conforms to what he can do well. I mean, there's a lot at play here, a lot of layers. And so um, while on paper, it looks like he can accomplish everything that the great young quarterbacks are accomplishing now, you know, a lot's got to come into place. He's got to get the line. He's got to get the philosophy, the tutelage. I mean, there's like a lot that's got to happen. So uh, clearly the jury is still out, but purely on what he shows and what the good Lord gave him in terms of skills, he's got everything to be one of the top-run quarterbacks in the league. How do you think Luke Getzey does with him? I know you may be familiar with him from his time at Green Bay. Well, I think they've got a great voice that will be in his head, and they've got a head coach who's a defensive-minded coach. So this gives, you know, Getzey, I think, a lot of free reign in what he can do. And he's had the honor of working with Aaron Rodgers. He's not that he's taught Rodgers necessarily anything. He's certainly added to Rodgers. But he has seen how great quarterbacks prepare, how they think the game, and, and what they can do. And that can do nothing but help him with this young quarterback the Bears have. Kevin Harlan here on Sports Talk Chicago. Kevin, how surprising have the Bulls been this year? Well, um, everybody loved DeRozan. Zach Levine has been an all-star. 
Um, you know, I, 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 you, you look at the parts they have and, and then Billy Donovan and what Billy likes and what he can do to a team. Um, I, I just think that, that it's the perfect marriage of talent and uh, the head coach getting a pretty big say on how he wants to maneuver. Um, listen, DeRozan is having an MVP caliber season. Um, and that has got to be the first thought that comes out. But I would never minimize, you know, uh, any of the other players on there, in particular Levine. I, ju- I just think they've, they've, they've got a nice makeup and they've got incredible momentum going into these last, what is it, 20 games or so of the season. Uh, love their team. Love their coach. Known him for a long time. Uh, but I guess I'm most enamored with DeRozan and how he's performing best isolation individual player in the league. Um, I, I just, I just think he brings so much to that team and they have picked up um, and, and followed his lead. Um, it, it, it is amazing when you get an all-star uh, borderline superstar player like that and what he can do to the makeup and couple them with an all-star like Levine you know, it, 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 it's, a, it's been a perfect combination so far. Did you expect this sort of season from DeRozan? Well, he has always had uh, a mid-range game that has been incredibly envied. And he's always been a terrific isolation player. Um, he played on a Toronto team that reached the heights, but he was not there. And so I think he's played a little bit with a chip on his shoulder that he was not a part of something that he kind of began in Toronto. I think he benefited greatly from being with Popovich. And I think he's taken those two elements and found the right coach in the right system with the supporting cast around him at the right time. It's really been the confluence of all those things that have given him this kind of superstar type season. Uh, I love the guy. I've always loved his game. I love him even more now the way he's thriving in Chicago. And I would tell you that I think that that this is about as perfect a marriage as there is. I, I, I know there was a lot of talk during that last offseason that the Lakers were, you know, he's from L.A. So, you know, maybe that's where the story would end with him. I'm so glad he's not with the Lakers. They've got (laughs) so many problems. And the problems that Westbrook is having now are the problems that I think DeRozan would have there. In Chicago, he's got room to roam. He's got got the, the kind of spacing that his game needs and the touches that his game needs to thrive and to make it difficult for defenses to guard him. I don't know that he would have had that with the Lakers and being with Davis and James, but he's got that because he's kind of the lead dog in Chicago. He would have clearly been the third guy in LA and he needs to be the lead guy. And I'm glad he isn't with the bulls. It's, it's proven very successful. The coach recognizes that the team does. Levine is no less a player. Uh, In fact, he's better. And um, I I just think it's, it's been one of the great, acquisitions of any team in this past offseason in the league. How far do you see the Bulls going, assuming they could get healthy here and have DeRozan and Levine lead the pack? Yeah, I'd love to see, you know, um, 
get their health back. You know, they missed the point guard. We know that. Uh, but every team is kind of injured. Every team is not playing with the full deck. They're, they're missing a card and they're surviving. And, you know, the Bulls have survived. But I, I think I, I, I'm anxious to see. I don't think we know what the East is going to become until we see um, how both Harden with Philadelphia and Simmons with the Nets completely mesh with their teams because Duran is back. It looks like the mask mandate eventually pre-playoff is going to go down in New York. So that means Kyrie can play home games. And then where does Simmons fit with that team? That, that's going to be an interesting uh, element of the Nets. And as long as Embiid and Harden can stay healthy, Philadelphia looks incredible. And now they, they seemingly have found a third option, which is always huge. And that is going to make them probably the new team to watch as the season continues on. Bucks are going to get back Lopez. That is going to be treacherous for all opposing teams. He has been the difference between them having the best record all season, which they have the last couple of years, and being, you know, a two, three, four, five in the East as they've been. They've missed Lopez dramatically. He comes back and gives them a rebounder, a rim protector, a defensive length guy inside, a person that can hit the three. Like he does so much for that team. And, and that has been kind of the unspoken missing link. So as you can see, we've got players on the Bulls, the Nets, the Sixers, the Bucks that have been gone that will make them whole. And now we'll get a better vision of what they are. All of these things have helped Miami climb or they've climbed. And will Miami now be able to withstand the onslaught of these reinforcements coming in for these other teams. Miami was down, as you recall, early in the season, Adebayo and Butler, but now they're back. So they've kind of been with their team and they're so well coached, but we haven't seen the full nets, the full Sixers and the full Bulls and certainly the full Bucks because of injuries. Let's wait till everybody gets whole Let's see what they're like as we start the playoffs or at least in the last week or so of the regular season to what they are. And then maybe we can make a better projection, but those top five, top six teams in the Eastern conference, it is going to be a war. Woo, cannot wait. <laughs> How do they all compare to the West? I mean, the Suns are running away with it, but is that really going to be their only big issue? Well, again, we've got two players injured Chris Paul out with the broken bone in his thumb and Draymond Green out with Golden State and until they come back I don't know that we've got clarity on what the West is but even in the absence of Paul to me Phoenix seems like the stronger team because they've got an incredible bench they've got a great second five and Paul leads them like no other leader on a team in the league. He's, he's, he is at the top rung in terms of leadership and guiding a team. And they know what the finals are like. They were there last year. I don't know what team in the West is going to give them 
you know, a considerable slowdown. Utah is scary because they're basically the same as last year when they were the number one team in the NBA. But they've not been quite as good this year. Golden State began stride for stride with the Suns. But without Green, you know, I don't know what they're going to be. And we don't, when you got a back, and that's what the problem is with Green, you just don't know how much and what effect you're going to have on a team. So I like the Suns. I love Memphis. I love Memphis. Uh, but they were a team that had to fight their way into the playoffs as a play-in team last year. And they, they got through it and they made it. Now they've been a team, John, that has, you know, been near the top of the Western Conference. But can they live with that scrutiny? Can they live with the additional pressure? I don't know. That, that, that you know, it usually is a stair step in the NBA as teams work their way up to become, you know, great teams. And Memphis is only on, you know, the second or third step. The Suns are on maybe the third, fourth step. And Golden State has recently been in the finals. So we'll see how all these teams handle this different kind of situation. But to me, the top five, certainly in the East, is where the battles are going to be, where the war will be waged, and who will survive that. And can they, you know, can the East survive cannibalism and, and face whatever comes out of the West. More to come with Kevin Harlan. In just a moment, stay tuned. This is Sport Talk Chicago. Kevin Harlan still here on Sports Talk Chicago. Kevin, a few more questions before we finish up. First off, how do you call two games at once? Well, not, uh, you know, you're in the business, John. So when you've got a couple monitors and you've got the proper spacing, it, it doesn't get to, it's not that difficult. It, it was a perfect intersection of events. One play was happening in Kansas City. Then another play was happening in Foxborough. Then another, it was, it was like a domino effect. One was happening, then the other, then the other. And they were perfectly spaced where you could call both. Um, as you were just in one singular broadcast and um, it was just the broadcast gods looking down and it worked, but anybody could do it. I just had the great fortune of having the proper spacing between the big plays in each of those different games happening simultaneously to, uh, to do what I did, but uh, any broadcaster could have done it. I was fortunate enough on that day with the stakes very high um, that that it was able to happen. I basically broke CBS protocol, though, because CBS wants everything to come from New York and updates. And I kind of took that thunder away from them. So I was very concerned <laughs> at, the, at, the, at the end of the day what they would think. But they were very much uh, on board and it worked out. And I can be thankful for that for sure. Two more questions. First of all, have you ever eaten the Angry Whopper? I've never eaten the Angry Whopper. <laughs> um, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, it's a it's a plant based Whopper. Am I correct on that, John? I'm pretty sure. I, yeah, I, I think it is. It may not be. Maybe just it's more spices on it or something like that. <laughs> but um, I've never eaten it. But uh, I was infatuated with the copy and um, and the, the reading of the Angry Whopper for our TNT audience. And had some fun with it. And uh, luckily, our advertisers did too. It just brought more attention to their product. 
and, uh, and, and again, was able to get it. There's going to be a day when I read something and I'm going to get my hand slapped. They're going to say, no, you idiot. That's not the copy. Read it the way it's written and move on. So, uh, so that day will come and I'll do it the way they want it. But uh, never, I never want to disregard the wishes of the people that spend all this money with CBS or with TNT. And then last question, um, the Hyperbolt promo, did you see that getting as much traction as it did? Well, you know, I, I, I guess I didn't understand what, I mean, I, <laughs> you know, and there were sick minds I did, but, but I, I, I used it in the bubble that we were in last year in the, the first round of the playoffs. It's that machine. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, that, that, that loosens muscles, right? The right. Kind of, it's like a vibrating machine that kind of pounds out knots and in, in muscles. And I would, you know, and, and as people know in the business, your voice is a muscle and sometimes it can get soft. It can get weak. It can get used to a point where you're, you're hoarse. And I said, and, and, our, and I said, no, I think sometimes we use that on our voice as we keep our voices limber and loose and ready to go with these broadcasts. And then I kind of took my hand and, and made my, my voice vibrate. And, uh, and uh, yeah, people, people took that and ran with it. And, and that is the number one reason why I never get on social media. I, my daughters, my daughters always tell me if something's going on and, and um, uh, good or bad, usually bad, bad, but they told me. And I, um, I, I just go, really? I said, that's what people can, like, they, they gotta be, they're sick. So, I, so anyway, <laughs> I, I just moved on and, um, that, but that's, that's the reason why I don't go to social media because of, of stuff like that. Now they'll take things out of context for sure. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for joining me. Really appreciate the time as always. I'm looking forward to the next time we chat and best wishes, of course, for CBS and TNT and always looking forward to following your work too. Well, John, thank you. I appreciate the kind words and I appreciate the great job you do. And it's always, always enjoyable when you and I get a chance to visit. We have many more. Thank you for having me on. I love watching your career grow. And uh, this is just another, uh, another chance for us to connect. And I sure appreciate that. Thank you so much. I talked there with Kevin Harlan, and that'll do it for us today here on Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to Kevin Harlan himself, Matt Dubiel, WCKG, Jim DeTalba, Tomorrow Entertainment. For making this show a success, remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook, John Zagluam. You can watch more of this show. Search up Sports Talk Chicago, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, sportstalkchicago.com. Another great show comes your way tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Till then, stay safe. And so long, everyone. No! No! Never the time!